Hey, before we begin this morning, would you do me a big, big favor? Will you celebrate the fact that you raised over $55,000 to help create sanitation and new job creation? Yes, praise God. As your pastor, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for always, always rising to the occasion and helping us meet these goals to help alleviate suffering and to help create possibilities. You will indeed offer restoration to our sisters and brothers in Mozambique. So thank you for making that real. So influencers, I know for some of us, this is like, what is this all about? And for others of us, of course, it's kind of the everyday kind of thing that we understand. And part of what we wanted to do was take advantage of this reality that there are influencers in the world, both currently, as we uh, will talk about, and certainly uh, from days gone by. And a part of what we recognize is, is that um, Scripture influenced those within the Christian movement over the last two millennia to help influence the world for Christ's sake. And that's what we want to celebrate. And we just wanted to sort of tap into this modern-day concept of influencers to remind us of how it works not only today, but certainly back then. And so I know, again, we don't all get this influencer concept, but let me just give a real simple, straightforward definition. An influencer is simply somebody who is able to um, share information about a subject, topic, understanding on social media in such a way that they capture an audience. And for some people, it's millions, in fact, scores of millions of folks for some of them. Uh, that's how many people they influence because they have followed who they were. But a part of what an influencer does in modern-day times is, a, is sort of captivate a group of people to help them understand that there's something important, whatever that may be, whether it's fashion or beauty or food or whatever, that they want to help you better understand or, or, or push, if you will, right? And so many of the modern-day influencers have been able to become well-adapt at connecting with people, being authentic and genuine in the way they present themselves for that particular issue, whatever it may be, and they also know how to help then, therefore, influence you with um, thoughts, behaviors, understandings. Um, they actually get paid to do this. Can you imagine? The, this is actually a job these days. Uh, marketers will pay influencers to help influence you to uh, see the product, understand it better, believe in it, uh, wonder what it's all about, right? That's what modern-day influencers do. You may or may not know some of these people, but they literally have tens if not scores of millions of followers. And so I want to just show you a couple of modern-day influencers just so you can kind of connect the dots. You may recognize faces, but you may not recognize names uh, initially. So a, a, a modern-day influencer with regard to beauty, that is to say beauty products, uh, those kinds of things, is Huda Katan. So when we show you Huda Katan, do you know this face? Maybe you do. Maybe you've seen it in advertisements. Maybe you're one of her followers. Do you know that she has over 50 million followers on Instagram? I mean, that's hard to fathom, right? It's just mind-boggling that somebody has that many people following after them. The next one, you've probably heard the name. She's a fashion influencer. Her name is Gigi Hadid, and Gigi uh, does fashion. I don't know that that's fashionable, what she's wearing, but she pushes fashion, right? And whatever she does or says or, or wants to encourage you in, she influences. She likewise has, I think, if I, can, if I remember, 67 million followers on Instagram. These numbers are just incredible, right? 
Another one that you may not know the name of, but you have seen him. He's actually in the food influence industry, and he is a, a chef. He owns many restaurants across the globe, and his um, influencer name is Salt Bay, and you may know him for rubbing salt or following salt off of his forearm. Have you ever seen this guy? No? No? He is tremendously well-known, a multimillionaire, and he made his money uh, in restaurants and then finally um, salting meat off of his forearm. How weird is that? That's weird, isn't it? We can just own that, that that's weird. Then there's another guy that you may know by face, but maybe not by name. He's a YouTuber, one of these guys who's on YouTube, and he influences people with a craft. That is to say, he makes um, 3D interface kind of videos on YouTube, and Zach King is his name, and he's the guy who makes things happen in a weird way, like he's reaching out of that screen, right, on the computer, and he makes that happen, and he's very creative in that. These are modern-day influencers. How many of you knew at least two of those people? <laughs> the 930 was a little better, y'all, I just need to tell you. <laughs> No shame or anything, but they were a little better, right? And so the part of this is your children or your grandchildren know these people, right? And they are influenced by them. And many other millions of people are influenced. All we wanted to do was take note of this as a modern trend and recognize that Christianity, many moons ago, in fact, millennia ago, were the original influencers. They were original folks who influenced opinion, behavior, ideas, and understandings, specifically as it regards Jesus. And so these people who were, um, we wouldn't necessarily call them influencers, but you know them. Over the next several weeks, we're going to identify some of the big names in the Christian movement over the last many centuries that helped influence who we are and how we are. They are people who shaped the theology of the church. They shaped the church of Christianity itself and they help mold us into the kinds of followers that we are today. That's what influencers do, and that's what they were doing centuries ago. And what they did was take Scripture and faithfulness and influence it out into the world in such a way that it had impact, and it changed people's minds. It helped people claim faith in Christ, and it helped the church expand, and it helped um, Christianity become a movement across the entire globe, even though it started in one little bitty country. So today, we're going to look at the influencer you know as the Apostle Paul. He is the earliest, perhaps, of all of the influencers outside of Jesus himself. And so we want to look at who is Paul, what was his influence, and then how is it that that influence can have impact on how we now can influence the world for Jesus Christ? Fair enough? Let's do that. Let's look at Paul and kind of see who he is. So part of what we know about Paul, we don't have huge amounts of detail, but if you'll just show him a picture, uh, the Apostle Paul, of course, there were no cameras in Paul's day, right? There were no uh, uh, video cameras. So all we have, of course, of Paul are paintings. And interestingly enough, as you may be well aware of this, any painter who ever painted anybody paints them the way they see them or the way they understand them. We don't literally know how Paul looked, what he looked like, um, how he dressed, anything like that, but this is simply one rendering of Paul. And uh, Paul was a huge influencer in the Christian movement, so much so that um, you would not be here, I am convinced, we would not be here had it not been for Paul and his influence in the then known world for Jesus Christ's sake. 
And a part of what we know about Paul is that he was born into the Jewish tradition. Being born into the Jewish tradition, he knew everything about the law of the Jewish faith. He knew everything about how to apply that law. And in fact, what we know about Paul is he was an early persecutor of the Christian church. Uh, the book of Acts has a huge amount of information about Paul, and just one small descriptor of him comes from Acts chapter 22. And Paul himself will describe himself this way, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. Now, Cilicia is what you and I would call modern-day Turkey. So Tarsus is a southeastern community in what we know as Turkey. But brought up in this city, he's talking at this point about Jerusalem, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the then-known uh, rabbi of the day, and he would teach people the traditions of the Jewish faith and help them understand Torah. So he was the teacher to go see, and uh, Paul is taught by him. He's educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today, Paul says. I persecuted this way. Now, here the word way is capitalized, and some of you will know this is the earliest description of the people who follow Jesus. They are people of the way, as in Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So, Paul says in verse 4, I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison. We even know earlier in the book of Acts, in the eighth chapter, or the end of chapter 7, really, where Paul is literally standing over Stephen, who's being stoned to death, and he's approving of this stoning. Paul was a persecutor of the church, the Christian church, and yet fully trained in everything Judaica so that he could use that to help then um, help others understand how Jesus would become the fulfillment of that right? Part of what we also know about Paul is that he was a Roman citizen. This becomes important for his sake because Roman citizens would never be put in jail for the kinds of things Paul was put in jail for. Paul would describe himself actually in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. When he is arrested, he communicates to the people uh, in, in verse 37. He just says, they've publicly beaten us without any kind of a trial, and they've tried to put us in prison even though I am a Roman citizen. So he self-describes. He's Jewish, well-trained by Gamaliel, persecutor of the faith, and a Roman citizen, right? All of this is known that he actually goes by the name Saul, which is his Jewish name. And later in the book of Acts, he begins to be referred to as Paul. Some scholars believe that Paul became his name after his conversion but other scholars believe he had two different names, a Jewish name and a Roman name, Paul. Some of you may know that Paul had an amazing uh, sort of lightning bolt experience of a transformation, right? If you go back and read Acts chapter 9, I'd encourage you to do that later today perhaps, and you see that he has a, a blinding light experience on the way to Damascus. And in that moment, he encounters his Lord. He has a spiritual awakening. He has an, a, a relationship with a man named Ananias who helps heal him because he is blinded in that experience. And it's through that encounter that Saul becomes Paul, a follower of Jesus. And he would turn from killing and persecuting Christians to becoming the most prolific author and apologist for the Christian faith. 
In fact, many of you know this, of course, uh, the New Testament is full of more of Paul's writings than anybody else's. More than half of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And they are written to communities of faith that he has planted churches in, and he's wanting to help them better understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So Paul is a fascinating story of being a killer and persecutor of followers of Jesus to becoming the most prolific, well-known follower of Jesus. This is how he's an influencer. This is how he makes a difference in the life of people and, and, and literally transforms the movement to become a global movement because of his influence. Now, Paul's really known for two primary things. One is he's a church planter. That is to say, he goes into new communities uh, who, have no, who have not previously had uh, churches or communities of faith, and he plants them. He gets them ready, he prepares them, and, and then he says, hey, why don't you guys uh, become a community of faith, and then I'll go start another community, right? So he's a church planner. Part of what that means is he's got to be an entrepreneur, he's got to be creative, he's got to be influential in helping people understand who Jesus is and what it means to be his follower, and then he will always write back to the community. Remember? That's what all those letters were for. When he writes the letter to the Philippians, when he writes the letter to Rome or to Ephesus or to Corinth or to Colossians, uh, Colossae or to the churches in Galatia, he's writing back to them to say, hey, well done, you're doing great. Let me offer you this encouragement. Let me lift this up to you. Let me uh, challenge you in this way, right? He's a coach and a mentor back to these communities of faith. So he not only initiates them, but he helps encourage and empower them to become influential themselves in the communities in which they're planted. So Paul is first known as a church planner. And some of you may know his travels. I just want to show you a map of where all, all the places Paul went, or, or most of the places. You see the red line, the, the red squiggly line is his first missionary journey that is primarily in what is modern-day Turkey and then Cyprus and upper uh, Syria. The blue line uh, which is some of the upper one uh, up through Turkey, is his second missionary journey. And then the lighter purple is his last missionary journey before he goes to Rome. But all of these journeys are Paul's church planting journeys where he establishes either new congregations or he helps people to understand and come to know who Jesus is and what he can do. It's a powerful image of a church planter, right, and how it is that those can take shape. The second thing Paul is known for is he becomes our primary theologian. I call him the chief theologian. It is through Paul that we come to know much of the Christian tradition and doctrine that we understand today. Think with me just for a minute about some of the uh, typical Protestant thoughts and understandings of, of faith. When we think about, for instance, um, that we are saved by grace through faith the foundational Protestant doctrine, right? That comes to us from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, the letter to the church at uh, Ephesus, the letter to the church, churches of Galatia. Paul is describing what that means and how it takes shape, right? Think about Jesus' teaching on love. It's prolific, right? Well, Paul gives us the definition of that very agape love in that famous treatise to the church at uh, Corinth in the 13th chapter where we now understand from Paul what love looks like, how we're supposed to live it, what will we do with it, right? It's a powerful understanding of that. You think about um, uh, how Christians are known. We sometimes refer to it as the fruit of the Spirit, 
Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's Paul writing to the churches in Galatia, chapter 5. He lays out the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we're known by. He uses a different metaphor for the very same thing in his letter to the church at Colossae in the third chapter. We talked about putting on Christ and the clothing of Christ, and he has almost the exact same list of items, love and joy and peace and patience, right? And then we, we, we look at things like um, when Paul writes to the church at Rome, and that is kind of his foundational letter. In the letter to the church at Rome, it's actually one of his last ones, but it's one of his most theologically dense letters. And when Paul writes that letter, we get some of the more profound concepts that we understand with regard to faith. Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 8, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. This is Paul writing over and over to the churches to help them understand who we are as followers of Jesus, right? And so he becomes this chief theologian. You, you've probably got others that you cherish in what it is Paul writes. I think, for instance, of his letter to the church at Philippi, where in chapter 2 he gives us this powerful description of the humility of Jesus and that you and I are to have that same mind, to be of the same understanding. And then I think in Philippians chapter 4 where he talks about how we have the peace of God that passes all understanding because of Christ Jesus. And further in that same chapter, he will say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? Man, Paul lays it out. He becomes our chief theologian, and he helps us to better know what is this faith called Christ? How are we supposed to live it? And he starts influencing the world. I reflect on one other passage. Some of you may know it. Some of you may not. It comes from Romans chapter 5. And in it, Paul gives what I just believe is a, a major summary or a high synopsis of the totality of our faith. And it's, it's enumerated in such a way that, man, if you were to just sort of keep this in your back pocket, you would know everything you needed to know about the faith of Jesus Christ. It goes something like this, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, Paul's just saying, pay attention, therefore, since we are justified by faith, there it is, we are made right with God by faith. That's foundational to who we are. We have peace with God. We've got this uh, assurance. We've got this understanding that claims our hearts because we have faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. There it is, friends, the free love of God, the unconditional, unmerited love of God we call grace. We get it because we have believed that it's true, and it therefore makes us right, or in this language, justified with God. And, he says, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, the hope of the resurrection, the hope of everlasting life, the hope of knowing even I can be loved and forgiven. You see, Paul is laying it all out in a single set of verses right here in Romans chapter 5. And then he says this, and I love chapter, uh, verses 3 and 4, because because of this hope, because of this peace, because of this justification, we have this. And not only that, he says, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love 
has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You ever felt like life was kicking you in the pants? You ever felt like, golly, I'm not sure I even want to keep going? You ever felt like things were falling down around you? Jesus, or Paul rather, says, look, remember this. We can celebrate the suffering. Now, I, I got to admit, I don't always celebrate suffering, but he owns that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character then produces hope. Hope that God is with us. Hope that God can help provide a way forward. Hope that does not disappoint. Who of us does not need hope? We all do, don't we? And then ultimately, it's there in the writing, but we don't always connect the dots. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity's right there in it as well. I commend to you Romans 5, verses 1 to 5, as sort of a synopsis and summary of the totality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses it to influence not only the Romans, but the totality of the Roman Empire. And it pretty well worked, didn't it? You are here because of Paul. Many of your friends and family are in the faith because of Paul. Many churches exist because of Paul because he was willing to be an influencer. He was willing to share his faith, to influence people's thoughts, behaviors, and understandings. And it then begs a question, what do we do with that? Can we be influencers? Can we have a, a kind of influence like Paul? And I want to say to you, to me, yes, we can. And I also want to suggest that Paul offers us a couple of things to think about and reflect on how we can be influencers in our day. Here's what I believe Paul's teaching us, just real quick, about ways we can influence. One is, by what Paul did, by how he lived, by how he transmitted the faith, one of the ways we can be influencers is to simply use what you have. Paul used what he had. He was a writer. He was a communicator. He was educated. He had the faith of the Jewish tradition. He used all of those things to influence others for Christ's sake. You, too, have insight, have understanding. You have relationships. You have uh, people that you know. You, you exist in a business world or a teaching world or, or with family members. Use what you've got. I'll never forget when Josiah was young, my eldest child, uh, I coached a couple of his soccer teams, and every time I would use the opportunities with the relationships of parents and other folks to influence with the love of Jesus and to help tell people why I was a follower of Jesus. And it offered opportunities to use what I had, the, the very nature of who I was, just like you can use what you have, just like Paul did. The other thing that Paul always did, and it was in every one of his letters, is he was an encourager. Every time he would write to Rome, to Corinth, to Philippi, to uh, Colossae, to Ephesus, he would always lift them up. He would always say, you guys are doing great. He would also issue challenges, right? And he would also issue teaching. But every time he would encourage and uplift, and friends, I know you know this, but in the world in which we live today, we need more encouragement particularly from those of us who say we're followers of Jesus because, unfortunately, there are too many followers of Jesus who are not encouragers. In fact, they're naysayers or negative or downtrodden or mean-spirited. And what people need to see in followers of Jesus is an encouraging word. 
or an encouragement of love or an uplifting thought all in the name of Jesus so that we can influence for His sake. The other thing that Paul did was he helped people, uh, he, he kept people connected. So the reason he wrote back in a day in which there was no other means, right? There was no media, there was no phone, there was no text, there was no computer. He wrote. But the point is this, he stayed connected with those with whom he initially planted a seed. Friends, one of the worst things we can do is start a conversation with somebody about Jesus or help somebody to try to understand who He is or what His love is all about and then leave them hanging. Man, stay connected, whatever that looks like, whether it's a text or a phone call or a cup of coffee or grabbing a bite of lunch. Just stay connected. Stay connected with those that you're trying to share the love of God with and stay connected with those who are sharing God's love with you. We need each other. And Paul was a great demonstrator of that gift. And then finally, the way we can influence today, just like Paul did, was every once in a while with those whom I'd already established a relationship, a church that I planted, he always tried new things. He tried new arguments, if you will. He tried new ways of communicating. He tried new understandings of how to share God's love. And we can do that. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Just think about a different way to love somebody, a different way to lift somebody up, a different way to help encourage somebody. Man, Paul was an amazing influencer. He helped set a course for us and for the world. And now I just want to challenge myself and and us. Let's influence like him. He, He used scripture and a connection with Jesus to help influence people. We've got both Let's do both. Thanks be to God that we have that opportunity. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for your your precious child, Paul, who helped influence an entire generation. He helped explode the movement for Christ, and he helps us to know that it's possible even for us as single individuals to have an impact, to make a difference, to influence others with the love and the mercy and the justice of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be influencers just like Paul. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, friends, let me offer you this encouragement just like Paul would do. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the way you help transmit the gospel. Thank you for the way you help transform hearts Thank you for the way you help communicate the good news of Christ. If you brought a gift with you this morning, please know there are brown boxes right outside the doors uh, where the white columns are, and you can drop your gift there. Or if you'd like to make a gift either right now or, or maybe even tomorrow, you can just scan with your phone the QR code, or you can text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777, whatever you give. Thank you for that generosity.